You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Uh, you know, doing well until you showed me the baseball <laughs> protocol. <laughs> yeah, baseball's coming back, right? Sports are starting to come back. Yeah, you got yeah. basketball starting up, but it's got some social justice warrior stuff going mm. on. Baseball's coming back, but it's got some social justice warrior stuff going on. Football's coming back, supposedly, but it's got some SJW stuff going on. But I wanted to talk today about baseball just for a little bit here in the uh, here in the beginning. You know, baseball is one of those sports where it's it's really special to me because I played it for so long. I played baseball for 14 years. And if you play it for so long, you just kind of it gets to you. You know, it, like the game becomes more to you when you play it every day. It just it becomes a part of you. And when you walk away from it, if you can, which I did, if you walk away from it, you really don't walk away from it. I mean, it's still a part of you because you spent so much time in it. And so. I've been a, a fan of the uh, the actual game of baseball, not the politics of it, but the game of baseball itself. But I wasn't really like a fan, like into it, knowing all the stats and all this, how all the statistics work and how the you know what what the pitcher's wife had for dinner and all that. Stuff. I don't care about any of that stuff. I was just there to watch the game. And when the game was over, the game was over. That was it for me. I didn't care about anything else. I didn't care about World Series and all that stuff. I mean, if, if you went there and you won it, great. The next day, nobody cares. So. I wanted to talk today about what baseball coming back is going to be like, because I canceled my baseball subscription uh, before all this COVID stuff started. I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. This is before all this nonsense. So I was done with it prior to that. But now I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, well, I'm really glad I got rid of this. So I want to talk today about what MLB players are doing for taking a stance on social justice. Right. And then we're going to talk about what their return is going to look like coming up um i think it's when is it uh i didn't see an official date okay well i don't think they've released an official date yet but yeah it's it, it's coming but anyway the league has handed down an entire protocol that everyone's gonna have to follow so i'm at, per day right so i'm gonna have to um yeah I'm, I'm just gonna go over that one step at a time but like i said baseball hasn't been one of those those games where it's kind of been on the forefront of the sjw stuff the nfl has the nba's kind of been getting into it of course now they're really into it and baseball has been kind of out and away from that stuff. Same thing with hockey. They've been out and away from it, but not any longer. And it was only a matter of time, right? I mean, when you see the, all the other major sports doing it, it's only a matter of time before it gets to the one you like. But really, the game hasn't been, it hasn't been the same in recent years, mostly because they changed the ball. Everything's a home run derby now. So what's the point? What do you see with the players? What are they doing? Well, now some of them are, I mean, they're in practice and everything now. They're in training now. So what are they doing? They're all out there on the field wearing masks. They're all taking knees to the national anthem. You've got some people coming out, such as the San Francisco Giants manager, Gabe Kapler. Several other players kneeling during the uh, the national anthem before an exhibition game. Some L.A. Dodgers players, Cody Bellinger, three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw. Oh, yeah, they're all taking knees. And he says, I wanted to demonstrate my dissatisfaction with our clear systemic racism in our country. And I wanted the players to know that they got to make their own decisions and we would respect and support those decisions. Or excuse me, Kapler said that. I'm sorry. Gabe Kapler says that after Monday's game. I wanted them to feel safe in speaking up. Well, okay. 
All right. So what does that mean? That means that now the MLB has taken a knee to the uh, to the mobs. That's what that means. So if that's how they're going to be, you lost me for the rest of my days. I don't care anymore. I officially don't care now. I'm done. I will never give the MLB another penny ever. So they can keep whatever it is they have and you can count me out. If you're going to carry that kind of message that spits all over the country, that pays you hundreds of millions of dollars, then I want no part of you. And I think that's what people are going to do. By and large, you're still going to have this, the sports fans that go out there, of course. That is if they allow you back in the stadiums, which we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the way that uh, the way that they're promoting this, if people don't walk away, if people don't vote with their dollars, if they don't walk away from this, well, then what does that say about you? What does that say about what you believe in? Same thing with football. Same thing with basketball. Same thing with hockey, if they take that stance. NASCAR. Anyone that takes that stance. Do you love your country? Do you love where you come from? You're watching millionaires play a game. They're playing a game in a country that's built a system that's allowed them to make hundreds of millions of dollars playing that game because they possess a certain skill and they're very good at it. And they turn around and they they spit all over it. They disrespect it. They trash the very system that's given them everything they've got. So what's a game going to look like? Games come back, right? They're, because they're going to be coming back. What's a game look like? Well, the league has handed down an entire protocol on what a player is going to go through in a single day when it comes to this. Now, this is their official COVID protocol. All right. So a life in a, of a regular ball player, you're in the clubhouse, you're sharing meals, you're on your bus rides with your teammates, your coaches and all that stuff. You're signing autographs, you're posing with fans, you're yelling at umpires, you're high-fiving everybody after you hit a home run or whatever it is you're doing, right? You go through, you run the line, you run the gauntlet in the uh, in the dugout after you hit a home run, right? That's how it is. But the MLBs come out with 100 pages of new rules to keep players, coaches, and umpires, and all the team staff apart, meaning away from everybody, and healthy. Now, they say that a few measures will be visible to fans on TV, but many of it, many of these other things are going to be going on behind the scenes. So they've mapped out a single day to determine the number of people an average player might encounter if he lives and plays by these rules, right? So you start your day, right? Let's say you're a ball player. You start your day. By the way, I'd just like to point out at the beginning of this, and I'll point it out again at the end, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. This is the most... All this, this COVID stuff aside, okay, fine. Everything that we've talked about, all these case numbers that we're seeing, all, excuse me, all these cases that we're being told, the death numbers are plummeting. We're hearing nothing but cases, 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 infections, infections, infections. Where's the recovery rate? Where's that number? Where's the number of people that are asymptomatic? We're just hearing cases, 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 spikes, spikes, spikes. That's all we're hearing. So they come out with nonsense like this by what I'm about to say. So they're going to limit all access to the ballpark on game day. You might as well forget going to the game. They're not going to allow crowds in there until that's to be determined. I'm pretty sure they're going to close access to players. So clubhouses and dugouts will be locked down even more, right? So you might as well, even if you can get in there, if even if they allow crowds in, which I don't think they are, everyone is assigned an access tier by function with low priority workers. Yeah, see this? Now, now we're into priorities. They would be allowed in restricted areas only after the team is gone. Personal protective equipment will be required almost everywhere but on the field. Of course, you can't get near anyone on the field. Can you even tag anyone anymore with a ball? Can you do that still? I doubt you can. <laughs> I seriously doubt you can. So they have a three-tiered system. Major League Baseball is going to cap the number of people teams can assign to each tier, which dictates a person's access within the ballpark itself. While 60 players are permitted in Tier 1, the opening day active roster will max out at 30. Okay? So you have Tier 1, 
with a total of 87 people, tier two at 38 and tier three at 150. And I'm not sure how they. Yeah, OK. Well, anyway, tier one. OK, so you got 60 players, 12 coaches, two catchers, uh, one manager, two physical therapists, six doctors, two strength coaches and two trainers. All right. So if you're playing a home game, this is how it's going to go. So you start your day off at home with your family. OK, then the league requires everyone with access to restricted areas to take their own temperature twice in succession and complete a symptom questionnaire before leaving their residence. Now, if the player is symptom and fever free, then he's cleared to leave his house. Now, they're looking at possibly requiring players to dress in their uniforms at home to limit locker room time. So, you know, God forbid you actually let them change into their uniform at the park. God forbid you do that. Uh, and they're going to let them do their laundry at uh, at the park, too, it looks like. Now, how do you get there? If you go through all that, right, if you go through this nonsense that you're allowed to leave your house, OK, then what? Then what do you do? Well, how do you get to the park? Well, you can't take a train. You can't take a bus. You can't take a taxi. You can't take an Uber. They say that car services are permitted, but only if the services are in compliance with the CDC and prevention standards, which Uber follows those standards now, don't they, coincidentally enough? But the players are allowed to drive their own cars to the ballpark. Members of the opposing team arrive on a team bus or in private vehicles. No public transportation is allowed. Now, when you get there, players will have to wear masks before entering the park. Everyone gets two more temperature checks and completes another symptom questionnaire at a screening station. In another area, some will be tested for COVID. Some will be tested for COVID-19. All tier one individuals will be subjected to testing every other day during the season. These screening stations must be at a safe distance from entrances and allow for physical distancing between those waiting. The player arrives at about the same time as five other players, and at least one person would conduct the screening. Sounds like they're walking into a war zone to throw a ball around. All tier one individuals, this is a this is a league protocol. This is a league health protocol. All tier one individuals should wear an appropriate face covering at all times in club facilities. Players are not required to wear face coverings while on the field or in the bullpen or dugout. Now they've allowed uh, those players that are out there, I'm not going to go down through who they are, but I'm gonna, they've allowed players with pre-existing conditions deemed to be high risk. They can opt out of the season and they can still get paid. Uh, so what happens after this year then? Uh, they, they don't they don't get paid anymore. They get released. How, how does that work? If you can get access after you've had your temperature taken four times and you filled out two questionnaires, then you're allowed in the park. Then you have to don identification while you're in there. Everyone in tier one, two and three must wear a club or MLB issued credential that includes a photo and their assigned tier number around their neck. Players, uniform team personnel, and umpires may remove their IDs in the clubhouse, training rooms, dugout, field, or the bullpen. Now, after you pass through that screening, once you get to the clubhouse, you're not allowed to have contact with anybody, right? So you're, you're going from about being in contact with six people here up to about 17, all right? So you get to an area, say, down a hallway. All the doors now have to be propped open. No one can touch any doors, you see. MLB is mandating a six feet, excuse me, MLB is mandating six feet between occupied lockers and suggests rearranging furniture and posting signs about maximum occupancy, hygiene and social distancing, because some people might forget, you see, some pregame meetings with analytic staff, for example, will likely happen by video chat for our player. There are eight teammates, two interpreters, because some of them are foreign players, and a media relations representative in the clubhouse when he drops off his gear. They're also suggesting that teams set up an additional clubhouse, like a, a separate one, because, I mean, sometimes they could stagger arrival times and things like that and may make sure everyone's distance and all that stuff. Now, a training room. So 
now you're up to 21 contacts, right? That you could possibly come in contact with 20 up to 21 people. You could possibly come in contact with God forbid you get to, you get to actually do what you're being paid to do. God forbid you can get to that point at some point in the training room. Okay. This is where you meet with physical trainers or physical therapists and all that stuff. And they, they assess you, they give you like a pregame massage or you get taped up or something like that. Right. Teams are encouraged to expand training rooms into additional spaces that, requ- that and will require personal protective equipment, individual supplies. If a player, this is ridiculous. If a player needs sunscreen or bug spray, it will be provided to him in individual packaging. Other items normally stocked in bulk that he's typically able to access himself. Bandages, throat lozenges, ibuprofen should instead be secured and distributed by medical staff. Do, Bruce, do you know do you know when they secure things like that, just like little things like that? Do you know where they do that? They do that in prisons and around children. Mm-hmm. Any dietary supplements? Yeah, but, okay, go ahead. Yeah, but you, you have to make sure they don't get infected, right? This is the new normal. Un- we we have to... Unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Any needed dietary supplements will be available in single serve packets as opposed to the large tubs. You can't use those anymore. You know, you just get the big tub and everyone just goes, takes a scoop out of it. No, you can't do that anymore. Now you're in the now you're into the pregame routine. So you're all in the clubhouse. You're all getting prepared to go out on the field. You've gone through all this. You've gone through four temperature checks, two questionnaires. You got to be around people in hazmat suits that want to tape up your ankle. Now you're up to 50 possible contacts because you're into the pregame. So in between the clubhouse and the weight room, attending meetings, warming up on the field, you might encounter up to 14 remaining teammates on the active roster, nine coaches, including the team's strength and training coach. They haven't mentioned talking to anybody yet. Like, is is, is that even pop? And on, on top of that, do you still have to wear a mask at all this? I mean, that's kind of what I'm taking away from it, because they they say mm-hmm. that you arrive and you have one on, but they don't tell you where you can take it off, except for when you get out the on the field. field. Yeah. So you go to the weight room. Let's say you want to go to the weight room. You want to, you know, get some curls in or something before you get out on the field, right? You want to work out a muscle or something just to kind of get it, get it warmed up. You got to wear gloves. Any equipment that can't be sanitized after use, you're going to have to take it out now. Rice buckets. Yeah, I remember those. MLB will, this is a league health protocol, will discourage the use of indoor batting cages when hitting outdoors is feasible. So if you want to go take some swings when you're, when you're off the field, you can't do that anymore. It's not possible. Indoor batting cages. I mean, that's oh, anyway. All right. Let's get down to the dugout. Now you've made it out to the field. OK, so now, now you've made it out to the field. You've gone through all this. Now you've made it out to the field. So now you have dugout limits you have to worry about. That's the bench where all the players sit. Social distancing protocols are going to be in effect here. So only players that are active for that day and likely to enter the game. So you've got like seven or eight substitutes you can bring in are allowed to be in the dugout area. Right. Others are going to sit socially distanced in the stands, right? In the stands. And you're going to have signs, and you're going to have barriers that'll limit the movement and promote physical distancing within the dugout itself. See, you can't just be told all this. You have to be constantly reminded of it. There's got to be signs. Single-use towels will be discarded immediately. No spitting, no chewing tobacco, no sunflower seeds are allowed. Okay, you're telling a ball player, you can't, I don't care what sport it is, you're telling a ball player he can't spit? Chewing tobacco, yeah, okay. I never thought that tobacco should have been allowed in sports to begin with, but sunflower seeds? Like, that's a ball play. You got a cheek full of seeds, man. That's how it is. And what do you do after you eat the seeds? You spit them out. Even if there's a grand slam, players must avoid high fives and hugs, the protocol says. Okay, so you can't congratulate any of your teammates anymore. You can't give that recognition of, hey, man, awesome job. That's that's awesome. You, you did great. You can't give them recognition anymore. Players thrive on that, building energy off of each other to build the momentum 
to create better competition. That's gone now. Non-playing personnel must wear masks, and people may lean on a railing only if they drape a clean towel over it. No, you can't. See, you can't use the same towel twice. That's just pregame, by the way. So let's get to the actual start of the game, shall we? National Anthem time. Now, mind you, this is going to be a socially distanced National Anthem, and 90% of them are probably going to take knees. Everyone on the field should practice social distancing to the extent possible within the limitations of competition and the fundamentals of baseball, according to MLB's protocol. But for the most part, now this is this is the, the part that I love. For the most part, baseball will look like baseball. I don't see in here anywhere where it looks like baseball. Explain to me how you're going to have the umpire, the catcher, and the batter all socially distanced. There's not six feet between all three of them put together in the positions they have to play, which I see where they're going with this. This is a case for robot umpires. So I haven't seen how they're going to work that one out yet. You can't have a, a, a an umpire in there calling the pitch. You can't have a catcher six feet, uh, excuse me, less than six feet behind the batter. Well, that doesn't work. Everything depends on closing up that gap between the batter and the catcher so you can get the ball in. So no, I don't think this looks like baseball at all. The batter gets on base. What happens? The coach steps over. The, the base coach, first and third, they step over. Give them a high five. Give them a pat on the backside. Nice job. Here's our strategy. This is how we're going to work it. They can't do that anymore. So does it look like baseball? You can't cover first anymore if you're going to get the throw over from the pitcher to try and tag the runner. You're, you can't do that anymore because why? Well, he has to go back and tag up. Well, you break social distancing, right? Can you even tag somebody? Is that allowed? You have to sanitize the ball and your mitt. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. We're, yeah. They, they, they talk about the uh, they talk about what they're going to do with the ball. So. Uh, all right. So baseball is considered a non-contact sport. For the most part, it is. Yeah. Baseball players aren't designed to take hits. They're not. So let's say the player is a first baseman, right? Like I just painted the scenario I just painted. After a play, he's encouraged to step away from the base runners. So you're encouraged to not play the game. The baseball used in that play, if touched by multiple players, is removed from the field in exchange for a new ball. They do that anyway. So there, there's no big deal there. I mean, an average ball game goes through, what, 200 baseballs, something like that. A base coach must stay in his box to keep distance from both the player and the runner. A clubhouse staff member, not the base coach, is responsible for gathering the player's equipment when he gets on base. So he has to come out now with a little, um, uh, with like a little, uh, like a little tray and he has to drop, the player has to drop all of his stuff in there and then the guy has to run off. So the, the coach has to stay in his box so he can't talk to the player any, or the base runner any longer. Can't do that. So why is he even there? Where's the strategy? There, if there's no strategy, then why is he there? I feel sorry for the little, the the dude with the collecting all the PPE gear, you know, on the side. I feel sorry for him because in the picture, it looks like he's all this lowly guy that they're throwing the stuff at him. It's like, what if that stuff is infected with COVID? He's lower to the ground. That's where COVID goes, you know, close to the ground. Right. He's just going to get covered in this stuff, man. Most of the face-to-face interactions we're used to seeing in the game are disallowed, according to the rules. So is it baseball? They say it's going to look, it's going to look, baseball is going to look like baseball. Isn't that what they said? Mm. But most of the face-to-face interactions we're used to seeing to in a game are disallowed. So you can't, as a catcher, you can't go run up to the mound. You, t- you can't take one of the six timeouts and run up there. And talk strategy about it. You get, all that's gone. You're a pitching coach. You can't call time to go out, call a meeting at the mound, talk to the infield, talk to the pitcher, talk to the catcher, talk strategy. That's the game. So if you have no face-to-face interactions, well, this is going to take sign stealing to a whole new level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Players or managers who come within six feet of an umpire or an opposing player or manager to argue the subject or to argue are subject to ejection. So see, if you go out there to argue a call now, 
in the heat of the moment and you go around to kick some dirt around, you can't get in their face any longer. No, no, that's that's out of the question. So you've got to keep social distancing while you're arguing. If someone gets hurt, teammates are not supposed to approach within six feet of him. So if a guy's down, if a player's down, you can't go help him. You can't rush over there, get get down on one knee and see to him before everyone else gets out there on the field. This is ridiculous. This is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Players and other on-field personnel should wash or sanitize their hands after each half inning or the handling of the equipment. Baseball. All right. I can't tell you a single time. I can't tell you a single time I ever played a baseball game in all my years playing the game. I can't tell you a single time that I ever, I can't tell you a time I ever washed my hands during the game. I can tell you that. Baseball is a dirty game. You're diving around in the dirt, right? You're, you're, you're giving high fives. You're handling the ball. Your hands in and out of gloves, right? It's a dirty game. You got to wash your hands every three outs. Do you know hand washing in excess is actually bad for you? You need to have exposure to viruses and bacteria so your body can develop an immune system response and you can build immunity to that. Now we're up to 59 contacts. A first baseman and all position players have lots of encounters, excuse me, have lots of close encounters during a game. Of course you do. While holding runners on first or just standing near a bag as a runner zips by, of course, while he's breathing heavily, God forbid you breathe heavily when you're running, while stretching a single into a double, a player potentially interacts with at least nine opponents. <laughs> this is, I can't even, I'm not sure I can finish this. Players and all other on-field personnel must make every effort to avoid touching their face with their hands, including to give signs. So you can't give signs now, right? You can't give signs. Now. Wiping away sweat with their hands, licking their fingers, whistling with their fingers, and so on. Okay, so let me get this straight. You're out there in the summer heat, Outside playing a ball, playing a ball game, you're sweating like crazy. You can't wipe the sweat off your, off yourself now. If you're a pitcher, you lick your fingers. That's just what you do. No, you can't do that anymore either. Telling a ball player not to touch his face, <laughs> the umpires, the catcher, the batter, all of that. How can they maintain social distancing? Well, when a player's batting, he stands relatively close to the plate umpire. Yes, the other three umpires don't normally have much contact with a player, nor do nor do the grounds crew, who should be masked and on the field only when players aren't, according to the rules. Bat and ball boys are replaced by other clubhouse staff. After the game, there should be no high fives, no hugs, no fist bumps, or handshakes. So you can't even congratulate the other team now. Good sportsmanship. You can't even do that. You can't show that any longer. You can't show appreciation. You can't give your teammates a pat on the back for, hey, good game today, man. You did a good job today. Can't do that. You can barely say it to him because you're not allowed to speak, it seems like. Face-to-face interactions. Home clubs may have their mascot in the ballpark if they choose. However, under no circumstances are mascots permitted on the field of play or in any other restricted area on game days. You might as well not even have them. So, all in all, if you're a ball player, if you're a baseball player, if you're a major league baseball player, and I'm sure the minor leagues will be the same way. So they're going to play 69 inning games, it looks like, right? But here's what a player can expect in all that. You're going to be looking at 1,000 in in the season, right? The short season. You're going to be looking at 1,080 hand washings per player, 240 temperature checks, 120 symptom questionnaires, and no sunflower seeds. Now, after the game, a player can go back to the clubhouse. Any post-game interviews are going to be video chat only. Can't do it in person anymore. No more press conferences. Members of the media are not allowed in restricted areas anymore. Well, the newly deemed restricted areas. So what would you do? You head to the clubhouse, you take a shower, right? Well, they're discouraged now, but they're not forbidden. But the player might find partitions or curtains between showers, or every other shower head or handle might be removed. Communal combs, 
deodorant, hair gel, mouthwash, and toothpaste are prohibited, as is the use of saunas and steam rooms. Post-game meals are handed out because they usually have buffets. Post-game meals are handed out in to-go containers rather than offered in a buffet. Then you get to go home. If this is what baseball is going to be, if this is what professional sports are going to be, I mean, I can imagine the NBA doing the same thing. They're living in a so-called, quote, bubble down in Disney. The NFL, I'm sure they're going to have some similar nonsense. Hockey, might as well forget it. But this doesn't seem like a protocol for being safe. This, to me, seems like you're a child or you're you're in jail. To me, that's what it seems like. You, you see how they take things away from you and then they put it back and it's not quite right. I mean, it's not what you know. It's there, yes, but it's in an abstract form. It's not about giving you back what you had. It's about giving you back something that they've altered. I'm talking about the system. They alter it. So you don't even recognize it anymore. So you lose interest in it. So is this really America's favorite pastime? Is that really what this is now? Because I don't think so. I don't think so. This I've played, like I said, I played baseball for 14 years of my life. That's not something you really let go. But this, this is not baseball. I don't know what this is, but, but this is not baseball. And if I were a player, I would take what retirement I could and I would leave. I would take, I would cash out whatever, I would cut whatever deal I could with whatever contract and I would walk. Because this right here, and th- this is not baseball. If you're a fan, are you really going to go with this? Especially, now, for, forget all this protocol stuff right here, all the stuff that we just talked about. Forget all that. The mere fact that they're stomping on our way in the U.S., that right there should be enough. But as far as baseball goes, or excuse me, as far as what baseball was, that's never coming back. And I will never go back to this. Bruce, what do you think of their new uh, their new normal? Mm, well... I will not be partaking in it personally. Not a huge fan of baseball personally, right? I would watch a game from time to time. Um, but, you know, I wasn't a fanatic for it. But now with the, these kind of absurd rules and um, uh, even 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 if it was just the thing with the taking the knee, right? And they weren't doing all the other, I'd be done with it. It just, I don't know, it, it, not into the new normal. And I'm, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to support it. So, uh I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it's a you know, I was told or actually, excuse me, I had heard several months ago, but it's been going close to a year now. I'd heard almost a year ago now that we will see the death of baseball in our lifetime. And I thought, yeah, okay, All right. Maybe we'll see. But to be fair, baseball was kind of heading along the lines, even though they weren't into all that social justice warrior stuff. They were also in into the. into the pattern of what was happening with the NFL. And by that, I mean the stadiums. The ticket sales weren't there. Very seldom would you have a sellout crowd in a lot of the baseball games. And like I said, I, I used to you know, I used to watch the games. You wouldn't see the sellout crowds like you used to. Occasionally, you would see a sellout crowd, but not very often. Same thing with the NFL. I mean, we saw the numbers of the NFL. They were tanking anyway. Baseball numbers, mm-hmm. they were starting to go by the wayside too. So do you think that it was just... It was inevitable just on the face of it that it would have happened anyway, naturally, because people are losing because they've been changing the game a little bit here and there. Uh, they introduced uh, you know, pitch clocks, to st- like they tried to speed up the game of baseball. Well, you can't speed up the game of baseball. You can't speed it up because that's the game. They changed the ball. Mm-hmm. So everything turned into a home run derby that, because when you see a home run, you naturally you get excited. Well, if you see home runs all day long, then it's an oversaturation of a marketplace because no one desires that any longer. So it just got to the point where someone hit a home run and it's like, wow, okay. So the younger generation is coming up 
they don't have any interest in it. They, they don't have any interest in it. I'm not quite sure what they have an interest in, but they don't have any interest in the game itself. So the game was in the process of naturally dying, I think. But now this, this right here, this will probably be the official death of it. Well, I think they've been wanting to, they being uh, progressives, the um, Marxist types, they've been wanting to get rid of some of our traditions for a long time. And what more American sport is there than baseball, you know? I mean, that's uh, touted as America's pastime. And if you can get rid of it, change it, or uh, discourage people from being interested in it, I mean, it, it, it encourages a, a form of patriotism, right? And uh, It does. If you get rid of it that was our and first change game. that tradition. It was our first game. Yeah. So it's honestly, it's no surprise they're, they're trying to change all of it. Uh, over. This is the other thing with the, the whole um, COVID stuff, you know, precautions and everything. This is over a virus that... For the uh, players specifically, they have a 0.0003% chance of dying from the virus. Now, obviously, the coaches and, and some of the other staff are, are older, but even still, the chances are minuscule when you look at the data. So why are we doing all these precautions? Why are we doing? I mean, I get it. It's probably lawsuit stuff and, uh, you know, and and trying to uh, encourage the players to play and, and so they can get, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still MLB is still a, a business, right? They're, they're still out there to make money at the yes. end of the day. So I don't know, man, they keep if, if major sports keep going down the down this road that it, it could end up being the end of them. And people may just be like, you know what, we're done. And I, I don't know. I don't know what will replace it, honestly. There's a there's a lot of money in it, and there's a lot of money surrounding it, you know, in the betting markets and and um, uh, merchandise and whatnot. So I don't know where it goes if if that goes away. That that hits a lot a lot of people. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I honestly, I if you do get rid of it, I don't know what you replace it with. I really don't because if all sports are taking the same line, if all professional sports are taking the same line, and people walk away from that, if there's no interest. Well, then who are you going to advertise to? If people walk away from it now, who are you going to advertise to? Now, the advertising itself, right? Fox is talking about how there's an ad tsunami going on, as they call it, because there's a triple header coming up on Saturday. You're going to be playing in empty stands. Yep. So who you're going to be playing in empty stands with all this nonsense going on. Who's going to watch this? Who's going to watch this? You're going to broadcast the national anthem on there with everybody taking a knee and standing six feet apart. But, you know, anyway. you, you know what vibe I got, by the way, <laughs> looking at this... Um the, the this was on ESPN's website. This this whole um, MLB COVID protocol. These the art and everything and uh, the way they presented it really felt very propaganda. Did, did you notice that they looked like propaganda? Yeah, I mean the the, the way they've done the art and yes, how everybody's yes, all following the rules and look like they're enjoying yeah. themselves and everything's normal and yeah, it looks very it looks very propaganda. Yeah, but uh, again, I mean, this is not. Like, look, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm not going to get into all this because it's we're just going to head down a covid path and it'll get down into like all the fakeness and of everything and like the ginned up numbers and the test. This is all this is smoke and mirrors is what you're seeing. This is an agenda that's being applied to the things that we know in society to have it fundamentally altered to the point of not being able to recognize it any longer. And we disassociate ourselves with it. That's all that we're seeing here, because you ask, why am I saying that? Look at the state of Washington. When have they decided to end all of the um, mandates, shall we say, for public health? Two days after the election. Why would you go two days after the election if it's not political? Why would you do that? Are you planning for things to stop two days after the election just so coincidentally? It's a joke. It's a joke. Now, again, 
as I'll say again, just like we've said from the start, never said it wasn't a real virus, never said it wasn't dangerous, never said that. But this, the blowing it out of proportion like this, because you have a bunch of sick control freaks that are trying to take advantage of it. Nah, I don't think so. All right. Uh, let's let's jump off something else. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, China has been ordered by the U.S. to shut down their Houston consulate at, uh, amid spying accusations. Mm-hmm. OK, so apparently they're down there now. Bur- uh, as of like 15 minutes ago, they're down there burning documents. Uh, a foreign ministry spokesperson, Wang Wenbin, condemned the action, which comes at a time of rising tensions between the world's two largest economies. He warned of firm countermeasures if the U.S. does not reverse its decision. Hmm. Let me see. The U.S. ordered China to close its consulate in Houston in what a Chinese official called an outrageous and unjustified move that will sabotage relations between the two countries. Uh, hello? Do, do we want to talk about where this this pandemic came from in the first place? You talk about sabotaging two, a relationship between two countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Honestly, I think it's uh, it's about time. China Cl- stole countless copyrights from us. Yes. You know, yes. plans, all, all kinds of stuff. It's about time we took action against it. Long overdue. Uh, the unilateral yes. closure of China's consulate general in Houston with a short period of time is an unprecedented escalation of its recent actions against China, Wang said at the Daily News Briefing. Besides its embassy in Beijing, the U.S. has five consulates in mainland China, according to its website. They're in uh, Shanghai, Gongz- uh, Guangzhou, Chengdu, uh, Wuhan, and Xinjiang. Wuhan, where have I heard that city name before? Where, where have I heard that? <laughs> right? I, I can't. I know, it's just, it's slipping it, my it mind right now. It does. Yeah. I, I just can't. I can't quite put my finger on it at the moment. Yeah. The U.S. said in a brief statement that the consulate was ordered to close or excuse me, was ordered closed to protect American intellectual property and American private information. It did not provide any details. There you go, Bruce. There's your uh, there, there's your key to the patent office right there. Yeah. I so mean, they said. Go ahead. What, what, what's the um, what would the implications be if uh, you can't do that because it. it Embassies are technically consulates like that are technically considered uh, foreign ground, are they not? I was uh, sorry. I'm I'm thinking aloud, thinking about uh, all the documents they're uh, purging. I'm kind of like, man, I would have loved to have seen had those confiscated and gone through that and seen what was there, but can't really do that. That would be considered a hostile action. So uh, it appears to be open burning in a container. Let's it's Houston police looks like they were called down there and said it appears to be open burning in a container within the gra- the courtyard. Uh, the Chinese consulate facility does not appear to be an, an unconfined fire, but we've been, not been allowed access. We're standing by and monitoring. Yeah, they're in there burning documents. So, OK, look, we know that when you have consulates in foreign countries, whenever you see those things starting to have their delegates pulled or their consulates are ordered closed and the delegates are expelled or a country pulls their delegates, either voluntarily or they're involuntarily expelled, that's usually a sign of an escalation. Historically, when you start pulling delegates from somewhere, then that means when you're pulling embassy staff, then that means you're about to go into some kind of a conflict. Now, whether that's a stalemate standoff or armed conflict or some type of a a standoff in some way, shape or form, that's usually what happens. How close are we to that, do you think? Uh, You know, I mean, so China's obviously gone into war footing, if you will, because Taiwan's saying, hey, look, we're next on the, the chopping block. Yeah. You know, they're going to yeah. come for us next once they finish with Hong Kong. Yeah, their prime and, minister just came out and made a statement on that. I believe it was this morning. And he's he's yeah. hollering at the U.S. saying, "Uh, hello, we're next. You, you guys paying attention? Yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of think 
So this this article is talking about there's more classified information that we're not privy to that is encouraging this action, the the closure of this uh, consulate. But they did cite things like a hospital, cancer research hospital. Last year, we're firing um, scientists that were either Chinese or had contacts with China. And we've also talked about this before and some of the other stuff that students uh, will come in that are working for the CCP and get access to these kind of things, uh, you know, internships or get involved in businesses and whatnot and get, ac- you know, acquire access that way. And this diplomat is saying, well, the U.S. has been intimidating Chinese uh, students and whatnot for uh, for some time and been intimidating and harassing our diplomats and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's pretty warranted. You're, you're coming in and stealing intellectual property, spying on Americans American business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they are going to intimidate. And, and I, that's something I expect the government to do. Uh, protect us from foreigners like this. Buying up our farmland, buying up our oil field. Yeah. Reserves, buying yeah. up our our largest pork producer. And I think they were in, they were looking at something else uh, here recently. They were looking to get involved with some company. I, I can't remember which one it was, but they were. And I looked at the name of the company and I thought, oh, that's Chicom company. That's CCP all the way. And so this kind of thing, you know, okay, let's talk about this for a minute, because this is an important subject. We've talked about it before as far as allowing foreign investment. I'm sorry. I draw the line where where you were talking about. I draw the line there as well, where you start getting foreign investors in areas that keep your country sustainable and sovereign. We can't be having that. I'm sorry. We can't be having that. When it comes to our agricultural production, our, our farmland, our, our product, such as whether that be poultry or uh, pork or, or beef, whatever, whether it's that or if it's grain or if it's soy production, what, whatever, corn, any of it. That's what keeps us sovereign. That's our food supply. Now, if we want to do a trade deal as far as we're going to take care of our people first and then when we have a surplus, we're going to trade with you on something else. OK, we'll go to mm-hmm. we'll go sit at the mm-hmm. table there. But as far as right. you Owning what we have on our soil? Huh? uh Sorry, mm-hmm. Jack. No. That doesn't work. Yeah. Same thing when I'm, it comes to coal there. and minerals. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I, I was just saying I'm with you there. Same thing when it comes to like, yeah. And I was saying same thing is when it comes to like our, our coal, right? Our, our coal mines, our uh, coal reserves, our oil reserves, our oil fields in Texas are now being bought up by Chicom operatives. They're, they're being bought up by CCP assets. Now, I, I, I hate when government gets involved in business, I, I don't like it. We've made our stances on that clear. But when it's a matter of national security like this, you go in as the federal government, in this case, because it's a matter of national security, it's about your sovereignty. Look what we've done with our, our medical protective equipment, all outsourced to China, our pharmaceutical drugs, all of the APIs, over 90% of the APIs in the world, the active pharmaceutical ingredients from the United States and other parts of the world, most notably India, all in China. Are you kidding me? Who in their right mind would make a deal like that? They should be thrown in prison. The U.S. can't manufacture penicillin. We have to call up the Jicoms to get penicillin, for God's sake. Ascorbic acid. Pure ascorbic acid. That's vitamin C in its purest form, by the way. Pure ascorbic acid. If you want ascorbic acid, guess who you have to call? You got to call the Chicoms. They're the largest producer. There are two sources in the world, two sources outside of communist China, for pure vitamin C powder. Two sources, one of which is in New Jersey. The other one is in the UK. That's it. 
And I buy from one of those. I'm not going to tell you which one. So I think the government is, and like I said, I hate, I hate doing this, but in the matters of national security, in the matters of taking care of our people, in the matters of protecting ourselves, our own interest and our, and our own people and our own sovereignty, you've got to step in as the federal government. You've got to step in, buy them out because that's the only thing they know is money. Buy them out, refund them their cash, give them a little surplus because you're just printing it anyway. What the hell? And say, thanks. Have a nice day. And you kick them out of the country. Now you say, oh, well, that's that's easier. Uh, you, you can't just do that. Why can't you? Someone has to step up and play hardball. This kowtowing and this this capitulation. Look where it's gotten us. Trump's trying to play hardball. I'll give him that. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. trying at least. He's uh, he's a hell of a lot better than the last four or five guys we've had in there as far as playing hardball with China. He's at least doing something on it. And believe me, there's plenty to not like about Trump. I get it. Right. I, I get it. But in the matters of this. Someone that's going to take them on. And to be honest with you, I think Tom Cotton would probably be the same way. That's why they're already back. You notice the CCP is already using their their mouthpieces like the New York Times, the Washington Post and all the stuff that and Wall Street Journal to go after Cotton. They're already doing it. And Cruz. And, well, and yeah, Cruz, Cruz too. And I think Rand Paul. But I think they're, they're all banned uh, yeah. from going to China. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't want to go there. Uh, well, you know what? No, I, I, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I I will visit China someday when it's free of those thugs and those psychopaths. When those people are gone and the Chinese people actually have true democracy of for and by the people, then I will go visit China. I will go visit China. But until then, I will not. On top of that, I don't think we're really welcome over there right now. To be fair, so I uh, I don't think we're very welcome there. So all right, let's end on something. Uh, let's end on something kind of interesting, shall we? Okay. Man saws neighbor's garage in half amid boundary disputes. <laughs> now, I know that we are divided as a nation, right? I, I know we're divided mm-hmm. as a nation. I get it. But this is ridiculous, right? Yes. This is uh, like a man level stuff. Th- this, is, this is beyond insane, right? Uh, a man yeah, who cut yeah. his neighbor's garage in half with a sawzall. <laughs> God, it must have taken him a long time to cut through that much with a sawzall. Well, of course, he was on his property, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. He was on friendly terms with the man who built the structure, just not with everyone who lived on the property after he died. Gabriel Braun used a land surveyor's demarcation line between the two lots as a guide to remove half of the building sitting on his land when a dispute over the boundary line boiled over. But that's one hell of a dispute. <laughs> It is. I mean, he, he took a good uh, good portion of the, the building down. Do we know was... Okay, so I don't condone really destroying people's property, but at the same time, who's in the right here? Well, to be fair, I mean, it's a property dispute. You know, it's, I mean, if that's where the line is surveyed, then yeah, that's that's he's clearly within his right. Or now I, I know a guy that actually did this. I know a small business owner who purchased a lot next to a, uh, a fuel station, right? A, a gas uh-huh. station. Uh, he purchased a lot. And after he had the surveyors, he bought the, he bought the property and he was, he was turning it in to expand his business because he owned a lot next to that. So he just bought up the vacant lot there, right? Right, right next door to it. So mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. bought that up and he had surveyors come out. Well, he'd already bought the property and he already owned it free and clear. So when he had the surveyors come out, he noticed that there was a sign from the fuel company it was on his property. Just, I mean, like we're talking six inches here, right? Six inches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's literally mm-hmm. all it was. It was like six inches. So what did he do? He didn't have the company tear it down. He just had them pay rent for it. I mean, that's a great solution. So why couldn't you come to the similar kind of 
solution here. Rather than destroy this structure, right? Because, I mean, it, it looks like a garage, right? Rather than destroy yeah. this, then why don't you just say, okay, look, there's got to be some kind of an agreement we can come to here. Uh, I, I know I don't I don't really appreciate this, but look, let's be let's be technical. This building of yours, half of that's on my property. So I'm going to charge you, I don't know, 150 a month. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And then while you're in the process, I'm talking about peacefully here. While you're in the process of doing that, have the land surveyors come out and redraw the line. Yeah. You know, so without going through all this. Right. I'm just looking at a, at, at a sensible way to do this here. See, this is why people can't talk. Right. They can't, they can't sit down and have a conversation with it with people anymore. It's insane. Yeah, this was I mean, when you look at it, it's pretty petty. The line and everything like there's a retaining wall fence. I mean. It legitimately looks like the the garage was built on you know the their property right their own property and the the guy that's disputing it it doesn't look like it's his property right just looking at it but he was in a good relationship with the the last owner or a previous owner whichever one and you know may have okayed the you know that specifically I don't know it just you know looking at it up front looks a little um deceptive. Well, let me ask you, would you go about something like this? If this was your neighbor, is this something you would do? Even if I hated the guy's guts, I wouldn't go in and, and take a sawzall to his garage. That's no, because you're you're going to end up with getting fines and all kinds of stuff, you know, court and uh, no, no, you, you take a peaceable action, you know, towards this, like charge the guy rent or something until he resolves the issue or, or what have you. I mean, no, there's there's a more peaceful way of, of doing this instead of destroying the guy's property. Yeah, I have to agree. There's there's other there's other ways to do this. Like I said, just go about it a peaceful way. You know, this this is a problem, right? We can't even we're supposed to be getting along with our neighbors, right? We always talk about neighbors here and the importance of communities, the importance of taking care of your families, your neighbors. And I mean, that's where it starts, right? It's at that communal level. Yeah. And when you have this, yeah, the, I mean, I understand feuding neighbors, right? I've seen it. I've dealt with it, all that stuff all throughout yeah. my, my days. It, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's it's ugly, right? It's ugly. But yeah, yeah. you get over it, right? You, you get over it. You right. find common ground. It's something stupid at the end of the day. I mean, it's just something ridiculous. Right. And to be honest with you, I know of a feud that was something similar to this, not me personally, but somebody else I know had a feud, something similar to this, where there was a structure that was on their property by like a few feet. And it was literally it was turning into a nightmare. And I'm like, just knock it off, will you? You have to live next to each other. Deal with it. This is something that's been happening, you know, throughout American history. Right. I mean, there's there's always been feuds between families and, you know, property disputes. And, uh, you know, there's been nefarious people that are doing it and legitimate people, you know, trying to defend their land and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. But this isn't the way to do it. They did similar back in the day, you know, uh, like, you know, Western era is, is kind of what I'm thinking, 1800s or so. Uh, you would see something similar to this, maybe, you know, a little bit more um, illegal, shall we say. <laughs> Not in 2020. You don't. We're more civilized than this. Yeah. At least I thought we were. Well, Bruce, is that is that your fence that's on my property? Because if it is, then we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work up some kind of a deal here. Because I, I'm just not having the way you put that fence post in. I don't appreciate that. So we're we're mm. gonna have to we're gonna have to some, come to some kind of agreement on this. Otherwise, we're gonna have a problem. Mm. I'll I'll uh, <laughs> I'll send part of the bill from yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah send the bill over to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just the way it is. You know, I've I've seen like I said, I've seen people that do this kind of stuff. And yeah, we, we don't need to be doing that. Right. 
we should be looking to our neighbors. We should be having good relationships with our neighbors, because I tell you what, what we're seeing in society right now, especially in the United States, what we're seeing in society, this isn't going to get any better anytime soon. Okay, this is going to get faster and it's going to get more crazy. And we have to be able to stick together and get along with our neighbors has to happen. If we're going to save the country, if we're going to salvage the country, then we cannot be fighting with our neighbors. We can't be fighting amongst ourselves, even over something as trivial and as stupid as this. Can't happen. Uh, wait, am, am I getting we're all in this together from you? You know what? I've always said that we're all in this together from from uh-huh, a standpoint uh-huh. of from a standpoint of we the people united against a tyrannical government, right? Mm-hmm. That That's what it is to me. If you look at guys like Fauci, the ones that are out there destroying the country with their BS and nonsense health policies, like with baseball that we talked about tonight, if you look at that kind mm-hmm. of thing, look at the way, go back, right? Just, just go back. Look at the way the country was founded. Look at the US founding. What was it? It was a bunch of people that were oppressed by a tyrannical king. They got tired of it. They pushed back. They said, you know what? We don't want a king anymore. We all want to be our own kings. So why can't we be our own kings again? Why do we have to be ruled by one when we can rule ourselves? Why does it have to be that? That's that American spirit that I've been looking for. That type of attitude is what I've been looking for. People are hungry for that kind of thing. They're hungry for the truth. They're hungry for reason and some common sense. And we've seen none of that. This doesn't end the craziness. I mean, it doesn't end until we tell the supposed kings that we don't want them anymore. Those people up there on the hill, those people in the state houses, those people in the mayor's offices, the city council chambers, they're not kings, they're servants. And they serve us. They serve we the people. For those who have not, and you would like to, please do give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. We would really love to get your feedback, see your comments, your likes, your echoes. Drop us a line, give us some suggestions, good feedback, bad feedback, whatever. We like it all. You could follow me over there. I'm at Anderson 3 You could follow Marty at Marty Foster. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.